There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode two of season three of The Expanse. Woo! This was something else. Oh, holy crap. Oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> There's so, okay. What an amazing episode. It was. It was. I'm so excited we got to watch it. All right. Why don't you take us into the ratings for last episode? Oh, two episodes. All right. Episode. Yeah, episode yeah. one brought in a 0.21 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.653 million viewers, making it the 47th rated cable show for the day. Not bad for the premiere, but I'd like to see a little better. Oh, it was good, though. I think it's oh, going to yes, get just huge, too, now that people are like, oh, crap, it's back. So, yeah, I think we're going to have big numbers coming. Oh, yes. The Live Plus 7 should Probably end up being well over a million. Well, especially when people find out about how the the writers and the cast were together for the first episode and they were live tweeting it with people. Right. I don't know if you knew that, but oh yeah, it was great because we had oh my gosh, who was it? Christian, so Shorey Agdashlu, and she was yep. together with Kochiar, who is Nick Tarabay. At the writer's house, one of them, with Cara G, right. who plays drummer, and Corey, S.A. Corey, James S.A. Corey. It's a combination right. of the two James. writers, but they were both there doing it. And they're cracking me up. Like, their video going out about <laughs> them, like, answering the questions. And, mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, she was cracking me up. She's like, I think I need more wine for this. It's like, all right, they're killing <laughs> me, but I love it. Please. <laughs> yes. So, episode two. I don't know. Would it be entitled IFF. IFF? Okay. I was wondering. It's like, <laughs> if with two Fs, what are we doing here? Yeah. Rossinati answers an unexpected distress signal. Bobby and Avasalara find themselves being hunted by a mysterious captor. Not really. And UN Secretary General Sorrento Gillis brings in a colleague from his past to lend an ear during this crucial time of war. Oh, yeah, from his past. Also from our past. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let us somebody that we've seen on several sci-fi shows shows up in this episode. Love it. Yeah. And it's so good to see her again. Yes. All right. So, oh, my gosh. So, so much happened. And I don't even know where to start. Where should we start? Because there was so much. Well, let's start on Io. May wakes up after having a bad dream about her father. And, of course, good old rotten Dr. Strickland's there. And I want to punch him in the face. Basically, yeah, tells her that, well, you told me you could take care of yourself. Can you still take care of yourself? And, of course, she nods. 
And she ends up leaving with another doctor to go get her medicine and eat. And you go, uh, I'm not sure I like the sound of that. No. So Strickland ends up getting a notification on his little tablet as we see a ship entering Io's orbit and lands at the refinery. We go, well, that must be, and sure enough it is, Jules Mao has arrived. Did you find it weird that he kept, like, practicing what he was going to say, like, how to greet Mr. Mao? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what is he doing? And then, of course, he tells yeah, he tells Mao it's good to see him, and Mao goes, there's nothing good about it. It's like, okay, <laughs> then. Go, yeah, Strickland, you sweating bullets yet? <laughs> right? Like, okay, I guess uh, as- you need to bring it back a notch, because he was not cool with that. No, not at all. And, of course, while they're walking... To the laboratory, Mal gets a message from Aaron Wright demanding that he get his weapons, and he basically replies, you ain't getting anything until my family is free and my finances are released. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's drawing a line in the sand for real. Yes, and as they make it into, I guess we'll call it the control room, we see on the screens that Pods for the hybrids are being prepped and loaded. And you go, huh, they going to send out some more hybrids or what? I wasn't sure what they were planning on with this exactly. Right, because it takes a completely different turn when we come back. And Mao's saying they should dismantle the first generation hybrids. Right. Oh, well, okay. I guess that's what was in those. They were already in the pods. And they, I guess they were just checking status of the pods. I thought they were preparing him to be shot out into space. Now, of course, Strickland disagrees, and Mal informs him that we can't control the protomolecule. Strickland goes, oh, you are so wrong, Mr. Mal. I have a way. Yeah, and I was getting pissed watching him talk about this. Oh, absolutely, because he informs them they can use... The children, which we see on the screen that there are six of them at the IO location. And we go back to May and she gets injected and it's not quite like before. So you go, uh oh. Yeah. This can't be good. This isn't her regular medicine because it hurt. Yeah. I'm just watching going, what are you doing to that baby? Exactly. And then May sees. Someone she knew from Ganymede, Kantala, and she runs up and gives him a hug and asks him what's going on, and the doctor leads her away saying, we're just not quite done yet. We go back to Strickland, and he explains that the protomolecule would eventually break down their command and control tech, and that's why they went off the range. They couldn't control them. But he has discovered that... All these children that he's gathered share a rare immune deficiency that only occurs on Ganymede, which can be used to inhibit the protomolecule. No. Yeah, of course, he's (laughs) like, okay, we're going to exploit this because I'm a creepy dude. Yeah. Kintala is able to sit down and have some time with May, and he tells her that they told him that they had to get the kids like them out because of the fighting, and that Dr. Strickland would protect them. She asks where her father is, and he tells her they will take us back when it's safe. So Strickland's definitely got 
Pintala snowball. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then he tells her that Strickland said they would be cured by the time they leave. Yeah, I'm not thinking so. Well, I guess kind of technically. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Like, this guy couldn't be any creepier. Like, he really couldn't. Could he? No, not at all. Of course, he tells her that they've already started his treatments, and she asks if he feels better, and he goes, I see something cool. Yeah, that made me worried. Yeah. We go back to Strickland, and he goes on. Not only are they, does he think that they can control the hybrids, oh, we may be able to reverse what happened on Venus. It's like, wait, what? How? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. If Julie and Miller crashed into Venus, does Mal know that his daughter was doing that and might be on Venus? don't remember. I feel like he knows because he knew she was exposed. Right. Yes, absolutely. But did she get off the station and make it to Venus? That's the only question I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know for sure. Right. But Mal tells him to do what he's got to do. Of course, Kantala shows May his arm, which has the protomolecule coursing through his veins. Yeah, I'm not digging that. No, and May was not too uh, pleased with it either. She was not real happy about seeing that. Yeah, right there with you, May, right there with you. Yeah, and I'm not sure how she's going to be able to fight this off, because she's not really big enough to take on one of those doctors. Now, Kampala maybe, but... He's already drinking the blue Kool-Aid, literally. (laughs) I didn't think about it that way. (laughs) So, we'll just have... I think we may be having to keep our fingers crossed that the Rossi shows up in time. I hope so. To save May. But let's go to the UN, where a protest is being held outside of the UN building. And it's a fairly large one. There will always be protests, apparently. Yes. And so, of course, they've got their riot squad out there trying to hold the line. And a few protectors break through and are just beaten with their sticks. Yeah, and apparently whoever this person is walking on the other side of the line gets hit, too, by one of the UN guards. That didn't go over real well. No, not at all. As uh, she was trying to stop the beatings, but gets hit in the head herself. She still gets up and checks on the injured protester. Of course, he asks if she's a doctor, and she kind of goes, well, doctor of sorts. Which had me scratching my head, because that was never explained. (laughs) No, it really wasn't. But it was interesting when she got hit, that the people who were with her, like her guard specifically, jumped all over those other ones. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, who is this person? Who we know as Elizabeth Mitchell, of course. And I misspoke earlier. She wasn't a sci-fi alum, but she's been in a lot of like science fiction shows. Right. And like, which, if you watch Lost, you know who she is. Or Revolution. Yes. And So, yes, she's been the, in a lot of shows that uh... fit this. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, her popping up here, it's like, oh, great, this is awesome. Another kind of alum of science fiction, so sorry. Right. I misspoke. I apologize again. 
And she gets all in the guy's face, telling him that this protester needs medical attention. And if he doesn't get the proper care, she will have his ass. That was interesting, too, because he's like, I'm not supposed to talk to you and tell you my name. Right. Oh, God, really? You want to go down that road? Okay. Yeah. She wasn't having any of it. Yeah. Like, do it or else. Yeah. And so we see that guy and the protester walking by themselves. And we see Anna is taking to meet with Gillis. Oh, and was it just me or was Aaron right a little salty that they were being interrupted? Oh, absolutely. And he actually, because of the way Gillis reacted to her, he definitely felt, I'm going to say threatened, because now Gillis has somebody else in his ear. Yeah, like he was kind of brushed Instead aside. of Aaron Wright, yeah. And it's very possible that Aaron Wright could be replaced as far as having Gillis's ear on what to do. Yeah, I and have to agree with you. Make, yeah, that would make things much more difficult for Aaron Wright. So, hmm, wonder if Aaron Wright's willing to go as far as murdering the Secretary General. Ooh. Took out the Mars one. Why not? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. See, we never really get what the relationship is. We just know that there's a past with these two. With Anna right. and Gillis. At first I, I was other, thinking but... it was his daughter or something. Yeah. And I'm like, this, why wouldn't he just Former lovers, yeah. uh, something, but wow. Yeah, just, you're not saying why or, you know, how you're connected. It just seemed kind of weird. Yes, it did. Now, of course, Gillis wants her help with another speech. Yeah, okay. she wasn't too keen on that. No, she was not. And I guess we find out that she's also a religious leader, which was, okay, uh, why, what, huh? Who runs a <laughs> clinic, too. Right. And they have to deal with drug lords to get their meds. So let's make a deal, Mr. Secretary. You help with uh, our meds and I'll help you with the speech. I think it's kind of fair. You help for a year, I'll help you for the stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because obviously the impact this speech is going to have might last well past that year. Oh, yeah. This could be huge. So, of course, Gillis tells her that his people will get her set up in a room and they will have dinner. Okay. So we see Anna video chatting with a woman from her home. Yeah. Seems very friendly. Well, hope so. It's her wife. Yeah, it better be. <laughs> so you go, wow, okay. That's very interesting that a, a religion would allow same-sex marriage. I'm all for it. Well, we're going into the future where people... I was going to say people are more progressive, but then again, we still have protests and poor and homeless. <laughs> and so. Aaron Wright and... <laughs> yeah, so, okay, hopefully... Quality-wise, they're more progressive. I don't know. This is, yeah. Right. Well, well I mean, think about it. Holden had, like, seven parents, so. Right. Know. Yeah. There's def must Weirdly be places progressive. in the uh, system that are more progressive than others. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh. And we hear Anna tell her that she just 
can't forgive Gillis. Right. So it's like, what happened? What did he do? Yeah. Well, after hearing a little bit more, I think it is definitely that they were probably on, had similar political beliefs until Gillis got in power. And then all of a sudden it changed and he became just another politician. Now, there could be something bigger, but I'm thinking that's the the basis of it, at least. Okay. Because as they're, uh, she's arrived for dinner and Gillis is getting updated, Anna gets a message from the inju- injured protester showing her that he got treatment and he's okay and he thanks her. And she just kind of giggles, which was cute. And then one of Gillis's aides comes over and shows Anna a video of one of Gillis's speeches that won him the position. And it was, we're not standing for this and type of speech. So it was probably very anti-establishment. Okay, yeah. I can see that because she kind of seemed like the free spirit. Yeah. Right. And he stops the video and zooms in and there's her face standing behind him in the crowd. Oh, okay. So that's why I think it had something to do with what Gillis did after he got in power. Okay. And that from what we've what we see right after this cuz of course Gillis and Aaron Wright come over and sit down at the table and of course Aaron Wright's got to open his damn mouth about Mal and how they've got his family and they've frozen his assets. It was weird because you can see that he doesn't care about anything and anyone. Right. And Anna's just like, uh, so basically she quotes the Bible and she's like, you know, there was a whole other Testament written, right? Yeah. And like everybody in the room kind of laughs thinking she's not being serious. And then Gillis kind of looks at her and it's like, no guys, you'll, she is going to be the voice of reason and you'll get used to it. And they're like, oh shit, she's serious. Yeah. Collective punishment is still a war crime. Yeah. Like, ah ha ha. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Wright, you're already on my list. Mm hmm. And Aaron Wright, of course, being the jerk that he is, sits down. I don't know where, whose plate he's popping food off of because it didn't look like <laughs> he was invited to dinner. No. <laughs> Just kind of popping food in his mouth. And he's like, so is this. Is God on our side? Is, is Do you believe that God's punishing people? You know, and like just kind of like being really condescending. Oh, absolutely. And I love it. She's like, oh, that's just stuff people who are trying to make fun of people who believe in religion thinks. Right. She was not going to back down. But no. I felt like that was a big middle finger right in his face. Yeah, absolutely it was. And just as sweet as sweet can be. And Gillis says, it's important to be reminded of that every now and then. And when he says that, you see Aaron Wright's face just fall. Yeah, like, like I am oh, so crap. screwed. Yeah, I got something else I've got to deal with now. Yeah, he definitely thought he had this all wrapped up in a nice little bow. Yeah. Not so much. No. Well, shall we go on <laughs> to the Razorback? All right, let's jump over there. Because... We see the escort ship that basically caused all the problems. Scanning the debris field, and Bobby and 
Avasalar kind of watching, but not moving very fast anywhere. And they they don't seem to see the dropship. So I am still going to have to say, till we know for sure, I'm going to say Kotiar is not dead. Right. We have not seen a body. <laughs> We've learned that too many times. Yes. But Avasalar is not happy about it. And Bobby's like, I'm sorry. And man, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, Avasalara, not pulling any punches. Because basically, F, you're sorry. Did you kill yeah. him? It's like, oh, crap. She's dropping F-bombs left and right. Yeah. I was, it's like, as hard-ass as she is, I was not expecting that. It's like, awesome. They're leaving him in. I need that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, Avasalara is like, uh, can we get out of Dodge? And she's like, eh, you see this line? As soon as we're through it, then we're at least cool. We're out of missile range. But until then, they got us dead to rights. Right. And then suddenly, alarms go off. It's like, ah, crap, they got us. We need to go. So they decide to take off at high G. And Bobby keeps questioning Avasalara. And she's like, quit hitting on me. (laughs) (laughs) No, Christian. That's awesome. And she's like, "That's, that's real sweet and all. But come on. Like, no, yeah, no, I, I'm just trying to see if you're having a stroke, okay? Right, yeah. She Bobby gives her a couple of uh helpful hints on how to deal with the high G, one being whistling because it will help you breathe, clench your thighs, then, yeah, clenching your thighs. <laughs> and she had to keep slowing down though, because I'm sorry, I kept kind of well passing out. It's like, right. oh my god, don't kill her. Now, I got a quick question, though, because I thought that Avaslara gave Kotiar the uh, transmission thing. Was I wrong with that? She gave him something. I don't know if it was the actual data buffer, though. Okay. I kept thinking that, and I wanted to ask. Yeah, the data buffer was much bigger than what she gave him. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Right. They're going, it's like, speed up, slow down. Whose side are you on? And then just their back and forth, I loved it this whole time. And Bobby was just like, shit, what are we going to do? Great, they fired missiles. We're super screwed now. Right. And then and then out of nowhere, more missiles are fired at him from another ship. Yes, it's like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> and then the missiles do something really weird. And I love it because Bobby's like, that's not normal. Yeah. Because <laughs> they kind of like flipped around and they were escorting them. It's like, what is happening? I was thinking the same thing, though, because I didn't realize that it was our Rossi crew that had fired and they had set them different, which apparently Holden is really good at this, like, war strategy. Oh, yeah. Because he had all sorts of stuff. And, like, the missiles just weren't normal missiles because it was firing and they kind of did, like, an EMP. It didn't totally knock them out, but it knocked out enough for them to maneuver here and there. Yeah. So... I love that this was happening, and it's like, okay, great. They're going to be able to have this whole group come together. What does this mean? Right. And will they be able to handle getting rid of the U.N. escort ship? I'm thinking And no. keep the Razor back in one piece? Again, I'm thinking no. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, we find out it's great to have a botanist on board. Yeah. Because apparently... This isn't something we think about. Like, the air scrubbers aren't working, and they're going to run out of oxygen. So, hey, botanist idea. See all these plants? 
that are just kind of here. Why don't we use them? That's right. And it was it was a genius idea. Oh, absolutely it was. Because basically he's using the plants that were all over, mostly for decoration, like in the table and such, to scrub the air because, well, what do plants take in? Carbon dioxide. What can we not live on? Carbon dioxide. So it was great. Puts them all in, and Holden Holden looked, like, genuinely happy. And I thought that was weird. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I haven't planted a garden in a long time. Let's do this. It's like, I don't know what it was that made him so happy that, oh, this was a great idea. We we have this botanist helping us. This guy has ideas. We're not going to just suffocate and die. Or, hey, look, I'm going to plant and use my hands again. But it was great just with him happy because we haven't yeah, seen him for like that. a brief second, right? Yeah, we haven't seen him happy in a long time, no. and this was nice to see that it it made him feel good that Prax was able to contribute to him. It made Prax feel more like part of the crew, and it made him feel like Prax was more a part of the crew. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it helped both of them. And then Naomi, I feel like. They're still shutting her out, which I'm not saying that is a bad thing. But Naomi is right. like, Alex, I know we're supposed to look like a freighter and run dirty, but we're using a lot of fuel. Here, let me fix this, and then we'll we'll be more fuel efficient. Right. So Alex kind of side-eyes her, and then he's like, all right. Oh, this is a good idea. Okay. And then we hear alarms again. It's like, what? With the alarms? <laughs> I can't with these things. Right. And this is when we get the IFF, which now it right. makes sense. It's like a friend, a friend or foe transmission. It's only something that Martians have because it right. was like a low frequency that nobody else would understand. Yep. And it's like, hey, we got this message. We hold in. What do we do? Bobby's message. And then it's weird because we find out we're on the Razorback. It's like, wait, what? And I swear the whole crew just went, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah, they they were totally shocked that there's a Martian distress call coming from Julie Mao's ship. It's like, okay, now what? And Holden's like, no, we're not doing this. And of course, everybody's trying to vote, because that's worked out so well so far. Right. (laughs) And Prax, he's like, you know, we're trying to save your kid. And Prax seemed almost like, okay... I don't know if we should go after my kid because this is right here in front of us. Right. And he's the one who actually broke the tie, though. Yeah. To, to help. And we find out in the, at, towards the end of the episode why. And I can understand his point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. As much as I... It's it's tough. <laughs> it really is. But I can understand it. And, well, so, with deciding to get into it, uh, I feel like something was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, we weren't wrong. No, no. We begin our uh, little game of cat and mouse between three ships, so the chase is on. And as the crew starts belting themselves in, we see a lock on a device that seems to be moving. Yeah. It's like, wait, did he not click it all the way? Was it just a crappy lock? It's a new place. Okay. Right. It shouldn't be falling apart Exactly. Yet. Yeah, and at first I kind of thought is something about to come out of that. <laughs> I was wondering if that proto molecule that we see cool. was somehow right. going to like pop out. They're going to be like, "Oh my god, now what?" Right, and we get 
Alex and uh, Holden on the bridge talking about this. And Holden basically says, yeah, we're punching above our weight here because they outgun us. And so this is going to be one of those miracles if we seem to uh, succeed in this. Nice that they're using boxing references. Absolutely. So we see one of the six escort missiles pull off and explodes, stopping the missiles that had been fired from the UN escort. <laughs> and Ava Solaris says, oh, it's nice to know they still care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the UN wasn't giving up. You'd think at some point somebody would notice what's happening anyway, but it's like... Ooh. Right. Yeah, and I love Ava Solaris. Oh, I think I'm getting used to this high G as her nose is bleeding. Right, yeah, she's looking worse and worse by the minute. And Bobby has to say, I dropped down to 1G. It's like, son of a... <laughs> yeah, Bobby, that was not the time to speak the truth. Right. You should have... You're right, you're getting used you're to it. You're doing great. Keep breathing. Don't stroke out. Yes, and speaking of stroking <laughs> out, Amos tells Prags to control his breathing so he doesn't have a stroke. As the lock disengages, and it's not a door, it's not a protomolecule, it's worse. It's a table full of tools. Which, why aren't they, like, magnetized in there or something? They're just yeah, popping everywhere. Think, We're in the yeah, future, people. Big <laughs> drill in with those tools. Yes, of course there is. So, of course, Prax starts to get up, and Amos tells him to stay put. As the Rossi starts their attack with a twister move, which causes all the tools to go flying up to the roof. And everywhere, because the Rossi is turning every which way. Yeah, I mean, it is a whirling dervish. Yes. So, yeah, those tools are just flying. And of course, yeah. as that happens, Prax, I don't know, did he jerk just right, or did something hit it that his his oxygen tube was like released from the wall. One of the tools hit it. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly. And then of yeah. course he starts freaking out. Big time. And Amos, who just said what, ten minutes ago in the episode, you can't save everyone, is like, Don't move, I'm coming. It's like Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That you can't save everyone sounded like old Amos. Right. And then we get a this Amos, which is so much different than the old Amos, because he actually makes it out and just goes way beyond any normal human being would ever do to make it over there to Prax. Yeah, it was really impressive. It really was, because they turn and he's basically holding on to Mars and is parallel to the floor of the ship and still able to avoid the tools that come flying at him. And then they turn again and he's basically upside down. Yeah. Just kind of like walking across on his hands, basically on the bars. Yeah. And Prax is just freaking out. It looked like he was about to have either a heart attack or go unconscious. And the whole time Amos is still talking to him. Yeah. He's like, look at me, look at there. me. So, obviously, Amos is more used to, I guess, lack of oxygen. 
Right. Well, he's probably been in more situations like this, having been a minor. Yeah. And he manages to get Prax plugged back in, which was great. I mean, because his eyes like look like they're about to pop out of his head. Yes, they were. <laughs> and then... And then to top all that off... Oh, yes. He's back on his feet again. Tools go flying again. And he snags that drill a millimeter before it goes driving itself through Prax's face mask and into his skull. Yes. And he's like, here, hold on to this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back and plug myself in now, okay? We're, I think we're yeah. good. Do, 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 do. Yeah. What? Amos? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then we hear Naomi telling Alex and Holden that the UN ship is getting too close. So Alex goes, ask now, and Holden says, now. We see four missiles are fired from the Rossi, and then two, the last two escorting the Razorback turn. And <laughs> head off with the other four. Bobby tells Avasalara to get ready for another rough ride. And then the six missiles explode. But not, yep. like, right on the ship, just in front of it. So I was right. like, how is this helping? Are they going to somehow, like, take off again? Right. And that's kind of what Bobby does, is she definitely starts moving a little faster. And then you see the Rossi go into the explosion. You go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to play chicken with the UN ship? Right. It's like, isn't it a lot bigger than you? Yeah. And it emerges from the smoke and is on top of the UN ship. Two shots. They sever the engines off the ship. You go, holy shit. I was that just, was your plan? Yeah, I was just like, what? <laughs> holy cow. I was not expecting that. No, that was a damn gutsy move, Holden. Got to give you credit for that. I mean, you and Alex, you got some some smarts and some brass balls, that's for sure. A lot of stupidity there, I'm sure, too, but whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when we get the rundown of, okay, that's great. This is what's going on now. Yeah. We have two missiles left. and. Our other weapons are down to 10%, so we're at war with no bullets. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. And, oh, and on top way. of that, yeah, we've just declared war on Earth. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be cool just because we spared lives. It's like... No. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. And Amos and Prax get up and check the damage, and of course... Almost all the plants have come down because of all the twisting and turning the Rossi did. And Amos asked Prax about his decision, why he made the decision to make this stop, to try to save the Razorback. And Prax tells him he's been dreaming of the kid in the incinerator, and he feels like when he finds May, it will be too late. That hurt. Like, yeah. I needed that to sink in. Again, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. damn. And he doesn't want to have to do what was done. Right. And it's like. Yeah, he can't bear to find May like that. And then Amos just spouts knowledge that it made sense that he had because he probably didn't have this. He tells him that he doesn't know anything about parenting, 
But a kid needs one parent that never gives up on them no matter what. And again, I needed that to kind of like sink in because it made me wonder about Amos as a child. Yes, absolutely. This was definitely him speaking from his childhood. Yeah. And that both his parents gave up on him. And that was just, it was like a knife to the heart. Yes. Prax goes, well, you know somebody like that? And Amos tells him, it's not about him. It's about you. Yeah. It's like, I I get that. And as much as Amos kind of talks shit, you can't save everybody. Look what he did for Prax. Yeah. (laughs) And then look what he's done every year so far. Every season. So. Like, he wants to not care, but I don't think he'll ever be able to actually not care. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that, those first couple episodes of season one, you thought he would, he could turn on the crew in an instant. Mm -hmm. Now there's, it's no way possible he would ever do that. No, I don't believe so. And he tells Prax, if you give up on May, what does she have left? And what do you have left? Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Stop hurting me. It, it made Prax think. It really it did. did. And then we see the Rossi extending its docking tube to the Razorback. I was wondering see- how this was going to work. So I'm like, is it like going to go into like a shuttle area? I didn't know what it was. Right. And we see a drop of blood in the ship as Bobby calls Christian. We go, this is no, please don't tell me this. And then. I guess we're getting Christian's view because everything's fuzzy and shows a view of outside. And it looks like there's a person there, a lady, and she's got what looks like a person in a spacesuit in her arm. Yeah. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. She's seeing her mom and this is not good. And the Rossi docking doors open. And we're seeing Holden, Alex, and Naomi. Yeah. And then next thing we know, when we turn and we see Bobby with Christian, like, all everybody's face is just like, what? And yeah. Bobby's like, help her, please. And I love it. Holden just, like, had this look on his face, like, are you kidding me? Yes, absolutely. Because, of course, Alex and Naomi go over, go in to help her. And Holden is just like, yeah, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. This is what, this is Avasalara, damn it. So this should be interesting what happens. I'm really obviously assuming that she's going to make it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, she's in bad shape. There's no doubt about it. But, yes, there's little doubt in my mind that she will make it. And I was really, really hoping that we were going to get our regular Ava Solara for the meeting, the first meeting with the, <laughs> the Rossi crew. Just something smart ass from her, like, oh, I should have known it was you. <laughs> Where have you been? I'm hoping, uh, I- I'm hoping that obviously once she comes out of it, like they can all have their little smart ass back and forth. Yes. But obviously we're all like, okay, she needs to be okay. Yeah, she needs to be okay. And. How are they going to handle having her on board? Does she become the priority over IO or does she agree to go to IO or what? 
Because until Gillis gets the log of the UN escort ship, she's just as wanted as uh, Holden and crew are. Right. So they may just become fugitives together. <laughs> Which, yeah, I would love to see both her and Bobby part of the crew. That would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it took a while, but we're finally getting all of our group kind of together, and I think it's going to make a yeah. huge difference. Yeah, team right side. Right. As Bobby <laughs> said earlier in the episode, what team are you on? Uh, the right side. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. Yes. <sighs> Great start. Keep it up, guys. Hi, right, Steve. Did we get any feedback this week? Well, we certainly did. We've got an audio feedback from an old friend from the C Word, an orphan black podcast that Terry and Corey and I did. It's from Fred from the Netherlands, so let's take a listen. Hello, fangirl S, uh, Terry and Steve. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on The Expanse, episode 2 of season 3. Long time no hear. Uh, of course I know Steve, Corey and Terry from the C-Word podcast, the Northern Black podcast. Well, that s- series is over and... As you knew, I was a big, big, and still am a fan of that series. I will try to uh, keep up also with uh, The Crossing, uh, which means that I have to start binge-watching there for episodes. But I'm watching The Expanse, so I can give some feedback here. I have to admit I already saw episode 3, so I will try to keep this spoiler-free for listeners who didn't. I give the episode... A six and a half or a seven out of ten. Why not a, a very high score? I did like the episode, and there was also very nice and funny moments in it. For instance, uh, when uh, Bobby is advising Avicerra to whistle, and uh, she doesn't want to be treated as a as little child, and then later on she start she st- starts whistling. There were two scenes actually in it, or sequences of scenes that took me a little bit too long. Of course, the, it's very exciting, the whole thing with the fight and then um, Prax and Amons having flying uh, all kinds of tools around. But that was a little bit too long for me. And the same is actually true for the scenes with Bobby and Avicerla and uh, their problems with G-forces. Just a little bit too long. That uh, Strickland is a creepy kind of guy uh, when he... Uh, uh, addresses May. He he has very nice bed uh, bedside manners, but uh, he is actually quite evil. And that uh, Jules Piermao is uh, behind all this uh, was of course uh, clear. So not much of a surprise when he came in. I think it's a little pity of all the plants. It was a good idea to have the plants as uh, air purifiers, but uh, because of the battle, uh, they are destroyed uh, partly. So. I hope Prax will uh, get them uh, fixed again. At the end, of course, uh, Bobby comes in with uh, car- and carrying Avicerla. The Met Bay of Trosinante will probably do its trick, but I'm very looking forward to having these two crews together. Of course, the tension in, uh, in the Rosinante crew is already very high, and uh, with all these uh, A-type persons, I'm very much looking forward to how, what kind of firework this will give. 
Okay, that was uh, all for this first time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, thank you so much, Fred, for your feedback. And yeah, the part where Avasalara was uh, trying to whistle, that was that was cute to say the least. And thank you for listening, following Steve over and checking us out over here, talking about The Expanse. And yeah, I, I can see what you're saying, how some of it was great, some of it kind of went long. I was kind of sad about the plants, too, to be honest. But, right. hey, I'm going to guess that they're resilient because we have a botanist on board. So Yes, he will be able to save it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are just as excited as you are to see Avasalara and Bobby on the Rossi with the crew. Yes. I mean, that is just, finally, we have what we wanted all along. <laughs> yes, we've been talking about team good guys for a while, so... Hopefully, uh, this will continue the way we all want. Yes, and looking forward to getting more feedback from you on this and the crossing. Fred, glad to have you aboard. Yes, so thank you for joining. And, Fred, if you would like something out of our little prize bin, I would be happy to send you something if you want to just email us your address, because I have so much stuff and I want to give away. That's why I always ask people if they want stuff, because I have stuff. So shoot us an email, and Steve and I will get that out to you. Absolutely. So what do you guys think? Shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. Sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. Check out the website, fangirlzone.com. And you can also, you know, hit one of the links to tweet with us. Send us a direct message, Facebook message, YouTube message, whatever you want to send us. Because we love talking to you guys and getting information. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and all the other podcatchers you're finding us on. Because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends. How have you not gotten your friends into this? I mean, yeah. I it took me a while, but I finally got Jess watching, by the way. Yes. Yes. Only taken to season three, but then again, you know, she's got two <laughs> kids, so she's got to watch around, you know, all those kid shows. Right. <laughs> but she's watching, and she's like, oh, my God, this is so great. See? Tell your friends that. Oh. It'll just take a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you ever want to come on the show and join us, please let us know, because we love talking fan theories too because we are not the only ones with our tinfoil hat theories so oh no come on and join us but all that being said for this episode of fangirl zone i'm sean fangirl zone fangirl (laughs) i'm sean fangirl zone take two for this episode of sci-fi talk i'm sean fangirl s and i'm steve if you're hitting on me i'm flattered and until next time